Hello and welcome to FITV's News Roundup for this week. I'm Johnny Burke. And I'm Hannah Newton. Coming up on this week's programme, mine washed up on York Bay, first memorial service for Atlantic Conveyor in 39 years and the delights of the Mabel. The decision on a work permit has been overturned by the Chief Justice in the Supreme Court on Wednesday. Here's Paula with more. The Judicial Review looked into the cases of two men whose work permits had been revoked by the Principal Immigration Officer. Mr Kristin Fowler and Mr Jamie Coleman then appealed to the Governor in Council, who subsequently dismissed the appeals. During the Judicial Review, the Chief Justice, Mr James Lewis, Queen's Council, heard that the Chief of Police had written to the Principal Immigration Officer, Pam Trevelyan, to recommend deporting the two men. The Principal Immigration Officer then had contacted Immigration on the 6th of March 2020, saying that after some thought she believed deportation was appropriate. There was no evidence, the Chief Justice said, that the PIO considered the two cases separately, as she should have done. There was then what is described in the judgment as an unjustifiable delay as the letter informing the men was not sent until the 6th of August, five months after the PIO had made her decision. The letter contained no adequate reasons, the Chief Justice noted, nor did it ask for any representations. Concerning the appeal to the Governor in Council, which was held in September of last year, the Chief Justice notes that it's astonishing that no proper details of the men's offences were shown to the Governor or the Executive Council. The members of Executive Council should have been supplied with the pre-sentence report of the cases or a court statement. It is clear, the Chief Justice said, the members were not given the help, factually or legally, in determining this appeal that they could have properly expected. In summary, the Chief Justice said that he was satisfied that the appeal suffered from procedural impropriety. There were misdirections given to Executive Council, they were not provided with sufficient information or the evidence to carry out the determination they were obliged to carry out and the wrong reasons were given in the decision letters. In, con in conclusion, the Chief Justice said of the decision of both the PIO and the Governor in Council were quashed on procedural unfairness grounds. Given I have found no reasonable immigration officer properly directed could come to the conclusion to revoke the work permits of the applicants, this is not a case for remittal or reconsideration. I also found there was a disproportionate interference with the constitutional family rights of Mr Coleman, but not of Mr Fowler. A new test-to-release option for passengers entering the Falkland Islands on or after the 3rd of June is to be introduced. The scheme, which is voluntary, will mean individuals will be swabbed on day 2 and on day 8 of their arrival in the Falklands. If the second test is negative, they will be allowed to leave quarantine. However, if either of the tests is positive, then they and anyone else on the same flight will have to quarantine for the full 14 days. Passengers travelling south on the airbridge will still have to prove a negative PCR test no more than five days before travelling. Passengers who don't participate in the test to release will still have to complete 14 days of quarantine. Other rules surrounding quarantine are still in place. The Royal Falkland Islands Police were called to assist when an unexploded mine was found washed up on York Bay. The beach was opened to the public last November after finally being cleared of mines. Guy Marot from Phoenix Insights, who led the demining project, responded on Facebook to someone who asked whether this could have been a mine missed. 
Mr. Moreau said, without any more details other than these pictures and having been told it was close to York Rocks, I am clear that this is not a mine missed, but a mine washed in. During our talk in the cinema and repeated elsewhere and in detailed in all the clearance reports, we made it clear that this was always a possibility that mines taken out to sea could be returned onto shore during storm weather when there is significant sand movement. Judging by the state of the mine, pressured plate depressed, veins broken off and worn down, this indicates that the main mine has been extensively battered in rocks. Our work to assess likely functionality of such mines in this state concluded that they would be incapable of functioning as designed. Chief of Police Jeff McMahon advised the public to be aware of such devices being found on the beach after a storm. We sent officers down, they made an assessment. The difficulty here was that initially the, the, it was an Italian land mine that uh, was, had been discovered. It kept being washed in and out, so the sea was, was reclaiming it, taking it back into the water, and it was moving down the, the shoreline, so there's a moving cordon. So that's obviously our, our prime duty, is to make sure that there's um, a safe distance between anybody and the actual item that's been located. Um, and we then have a good relationship with the OD at Mount Pleasant, we call them. Normally we will send photographs so they've got a good idea of what they're looking at before they even arrive and can make a, a, an early assessment of what kit they might need to bring down. They turned up, recovered the actual device from the water, very brave of them, obviously they know what they're doing, I wouldn't advise anybody else to do that of course. Took it to a sandbank and, and blew the thing up and, and that's the message really and, and that's what the, the individuals did in this case is they, they obviously called us straight away. We're able to report where the device was to the officer. If you're in the middle of camp, for example, you do come across something, then the advice is not to touch it. Mark it if you can so that you can find your way back to it and report it in the same way and just stay as far away as you can from it as, as possible. A service and act of remembrance took place for the first time at the Atlantic Conveyor Memorial this week. The Atlantic conveyor was hit by two Exocet missiles on the 25th of May 1982, with the loss of 12 men on board, including the ship's master, Captain Ian North. The ship was the first British merchant vessel lost at sea to enemy fire since World War II. A hailstorm did bring a short pause on the service on Tuesday, after which wreaths were laid by MLA Stacey Bragger, as well as representatives of the Royal Navy. In the summary court this week, Chris Barnard pleaded not guilty to a charge relating to an incident which happened in March of this year. Mr Barnard's one-day trial is set for the 20th of July, as he will be represented by counsel from the UK. The inquest into the death of Mr. Ramdan Permana Asidic opened on Monday morning. Here's Catherine outside court. Mr. Asidic was a crew member on board a jigger vessel fishing in Falklands waters when he died. The vessel was on her way back to Taiwan when the 26-year-old died on Wednesday the 19th of May and the vessel returned to Stanley for the body to be examined. In court, Mr Steve Bennett told how he had boarded the vessel on the Thursday morning and saw Mr Acedic's body. It was heavily emaciated, he said, and that he had only ever seen something similar on TV clips of people in concentration camps. Mr Acedic had been from a small remote village in Indonesia and this had been his first time on a jigger vessel. He had had a medical before joining the vessel, including a test for tuberculosis for which he tested negative. 
The chief medical officer had examined the body and her initial conclusion for cause of death had been chronic TB. Her Majesty's coroner, Mrs Sarah Whitby, said that on the face of it, it looked like a natural cause of death. However, she was concerned. The inquest was adjourned until further medical results were available. The Royal Falkland Islands Police have been investigating the possibility of bodies buried at Teal Inlet during the Falklands War. Acting on information they received from a UK veteran of 1982, they have now opened up a full investigation and have been going through further information they have received. We spoke to Chief of Police Jeff McMahon during one visit to Teal Inlet. Yeah, we've had a report from somebody that did work here in 82 during the war that he believed that there was some uh, Argentine uh, military that were brought in uh, that were dead. Uh, obviously, we know that there was one recovered in the exhumation exercise in 82. So that's really the mystery that we're trying to unravel with our police investigation. In speaking to witnesses, of course, we'll be looking at uh, historic documentation. We've already recovered some. We've had some good cooperation from various uh, people in that endeavour. There's a lot more work to do. As you know, quite a lot of people move through here. Uh, this was a staging post for the final attacks on, on Port Stanley back in the day. Uh, and therefore, we've got an awful lot of uh, individuals to try and track down and get their accounts to try and corroborate what we've been told to verify the reports or not. Then the other uh, challenge is obviously finding the site. So we've commissioned some special aerial uh, work to uh, try and get a better view of the topography uh, and we continue to search for documentation particularly in the UK because obviously all the documentation went back to the with the military when they left. In a recent meeting of the Education Board a report was presented in which the issue of staff turnover within Falklands College was reported. Two workers on the SHIELD programme had handed in their notice and the report said that this was partly due to workers feeling that they were underpaid for the job they did. Staff at the nearby Young Persons Unit were doing a similar job but on a higher pay grade. Similarly, the report states that all evening classes have been suspended as they were unable to pay the tutors. We spoke to portfolio holder for education, MLA Stacey Bragger, about why the government appeared to underfund such an important facility. I think if you look at the last, what's happened the last three or four years, there's been very significant investment in the, in the new college building and in the development of what we do in terms of skills development in the islands. I think we all recognise that it's a, a very important area that's been, um, that hasn't been given the attention it's deserved in, in, uh, in recent years. So we've changed that. I think we're on a bit of a journey if we look at um, the SHIELD programme that was initiated uh, a couple of years ago now and um, I think um, some amazing work has happened but I think we need to continue to develop it because um, we need to make sure that we have um, a settled staff there and workforce and um, the people up there do incredible work and I think it's um, something that they and the people that are on the, the SHIELD programme should be very proud of. But um, I think we need to look at how the programme develops in the future and whether what we're doing now in terms of um, staffing is the right thing to do. And I think, um, I think we need to, to invest more generally in terms of um, in, our, in our workforce and in the, uh, the training for the, for the team there. So I think it's um, been a, a fantastic start to things like the SHIELD programme, but a lot more that we can do. May the 24th was Queen Victoria's birthday and renamed Empire Day after her death in 1901. In the Falklands, the day has been marked by a ball, aimed at the young people and is held on the nearest Friday to Empire Day. For many years, it has been organised by the Scouts and Cubs, who spend hours making decorations to fit a theme for the ball. Prince Charming, 
uh, the absence of it last year was it was missed because you know just something to do. It's nice. Well, it's still quite stunned, really. So it was a like, we're expecting that at all. Um, In week five of the darts, Darts of Hazard have risen from the bottom of the table and have two points on the board after their 9-6 victory over the Snowmen, who melt down to ninth place. No change in the top five places on the board and no game for Misfits this week. That's it for this week's news roundup. If you would like to subscribe to FITV, you can watch via the KTV broadcast or online through our website, fitv.co.fk. Alongside this news roundup, we also produce a light-hearted look at the week in our podcast, Meanwhile in the Falklands, which is also available on Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud. Join us next time for all the latest news. Goodbye. Goodbye.